Welcome to My Media Life, brought to you by the World Media Group. My name is Belinda Barker. In this podcast series, we talk to the movers and shapers from across the marketing and advertising industry. And today I'm going to be talking to Christoph Wurman, who is the CMO of corporate banking for Deutsche Bank. Good morning, Christoph. Good morning, Belinda. Thank you for having me today. I hope you're well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Christoph, I wanted, before we get into the main body of my media life, I was hoping that you could share with us a little bit more about what it means to do marketing for a, a, such a large bank, because so multifaceted. And I think it's perhaps a little different from almost any other marketing role in in other industries yes you are you're absolutely right in that first of all banking means different things to different people because most people have usually a notion of of banks in their capacity as a retail private customer but of course banks have different other facets as they are conducting also capital markets business or business with corporate larger corporate clients or in the asset management space so Marketing is multifaceted and the challenging and fascinating thing of marketing for banks and my role in marketing to business audiences, to corporates and large multinational institutions is that you're not marketing any physical products. You're marketing the capacity of an institution to foster economic growth by supporting corporates in various aspects of their day-to-day activity, be it by processing their payments or funding business. And as such, um, marketing is super inspiring because on one day you may be involved in talking about project in a developing country. And on the other day, you are talking about how you can support a client in growing into different regions in Asia Pacific and the challenges that they may have on the third day. You're involved in issues about supply chain management and stuff. And, uh, and marketing, therefore, is so much the conveyance of the intellectual capabilities of a financial provider, of their expertise, as opposed to just a pure product play and getting rid of something you have in, uh, in, in your shelves, which is not disrespectful to anyone who has that. It's just a different mechanic. Okay. So... Forgive me, but I noticed from your LinkedIn profile, you've been with Deutsche Bank for a number of years. I won't say how many. Yeah, more than 30. <laughs> and you've been within an interest, the industry for a, a number of years. But what does that, what does it mean to you? What does media mean to, to you per se? And that's why it's good. You started the question this way. When you have... A number of decades of experience, in my case, of course, in one institution, but that's actually not the most important thing if you're working for many decades in one industry. You have witnessed how this industry has developed through various cycles. And that's the same is true for the media industry. Whilst in the past, uh, the media industry had, I wouldn't say a monopoly on, on information distribution, but it definitely had its monopoly on the content creation. And nowadays we are in a we are in a time where everybody is their own content creator. Everybody provides uh, information. And we are now in a time where there's almost information overload 
people suffering from information fatigue, from information burnout. And that's why the, the role of media in a basically very fast and easy consume media world is that in such an environment, quality is key. And the media that can provide well-researched, balanced quality has still a lot to say for. And that will be where, in my view, the tendency will go when you know you can get confirmation for every weird opinion from left and center and feel perfectly entitled to continue with that thought. At that time, a balanced media offer can help you navigating on the right path again. And that's why I feel media has even more an important place in this world that gets increasingly polarized than ever before. That's true. I couldn't help smiling because I was reading the next question. And again, perhaps this slightly speak, speaks to how long you've been in the industry. The next question is, what's one piece of advice that has helped you in your career? I imagine for you that it would be difficult to taking it down to one single piece of advice. But if you were thinking about people joining the industry today, is there anything that you've has helped you. Yeah, definitely, Belinda. There's one piece of advice that is actually going back to the time before I even started in banking mm-hmm. that was given to me by a banker that I met on a private occasion. And at that time, I had no intention whatsoever to join banking. In fact, I was poised to go into the FMCG business, the fast-moving consumer good business, in a marketing role. And this person said to me, so why don't you join the banking industry? To which I responded, oh, I'm not too sure whether I'm the right person for it. And he then said, look, what you know can come in very handy at some point in life. What you don't know should be your constant quest. So please charter, please venture into uncharted territories that will make you stronger. And at some point, And he then said, if you join our company, at some point, your knowledge about marketing can come very handy because they're all bankers, not marketeers. And now I'm sitting here speaking to you as the chief marketing officer of Deutsche Bank's corporate bank, as a trained banker, but also as a marketeer. And that is what I would give somebody as an advice. Always tackle the unknown. The reward is much bigger than the risk. That's brilliant. Thank you, Christoph. Always keep learning, no matter what. So what's your favourite thing in your current role? As I said on the outset, in terms of what banking is all about, banking in the true sense is about enabling customers to make a different difference to the worlds in, they, uh, in which they operate, in, to the markets, to the customers. And you can uh, foster innovation by providing the right advice. You can foster innovation by providing, uh, of course, financing. But that is what I absolutely love in my job, because uh, if you have the privilege that you can sit together with highly intelligent people that are all subject matter experts in their own right. And you can uh, draw the knowledge out of them, package this in a unbiased, non-product-led way and offer the gift of knowledge to your audiences, be it existing customers or the, the wider market. 
it is very rewarding if you see that the responses of those who read your content result at some point in an activity that makes a difference in the market. It sounds very heroic, but at the end of the day, that's what, what it boils down. And that's why it is a privilege to do what I'm doing. It sounds like you still get excited about doing role. Is that fair? Absolutely. I would say the moment you are losing your passion for something, you have to move on. Mm-hmm. And it, yes, of course, in a time where everybody thinks about, oh, I cannot pay the next bill or so. But at the end of the day, it's almost like cancer that eats you up from the inside if you're not doing what you love. And of course, we cannot choose that. Not every day for me is a day where I say, wow, I've just moved the world. There's a lot of mundane stuff that we all have to do. But in essence, you've got to really love what you're doing. You've got to be positive. Look, I represent with many of my colleagues in industry that for the right reasons had got a lot of beating because the industry has at some point created a sort of a life of their own. And our job is to serve clients. Our job is to serve the economy. And if on the right eye level you do this and you can be a part of that, what's not inspiring about that? Yes, it keeps me, uh, keeps me up every night, positively. So w- would you say that's your secret talent, your continued excitement and thirst for knowledge? Is, is there something else? I think, yes, as a leader, you've got to show true excitement, not the kind of read a book, how to make friends, and then try to pretend that exactly that that that's not right i think actually the secret if there's any secret in my view and that maybe sometimes comes with time spent in in a job that you see your role as a leader of a team almost like an inverse triangle that you turn this on his head and you are not at the top you're at the bottom of it supporting the careers and the sex success of every single member of your own team, because you are only as good as the weakest link in your team. And it's not about identify weaknesses and give them like the grandfatherly help. It's about showing good leadership by rolling up your sleeves, not being too precious to doing something super mundane, doing things that surprise people. I can give you an example. When we are at conferences, I'm not just running around having senior meetings I am reporting from the conference myself on our corporate channel. I, I write those, those shares. I produce the videos myself with my own camera, all within the confines of our, of our guidance that our company gives us. But what I'm saying is you're only a credible leader when you show that you can do everything that your team can do. And you're curious and helpful to those who do things much better than you to lead the pack. Right. At the outset of the, when we started talking, you, you, would have, you mentioned about the kind of information overload that, that we are all struggle with and trusted sources. But where do you get your daily news from? What are your 
different Well, Belinda, I have to basically reveal that I'm a very classic person living in the UK, waking up at the time everybody wakes up usually that that commutes and listen to Radio 4. And uh, yes, I know there are many people who have different views about certain certain radio or news outlets, but I think it's good enough for me to know what's currently cooking. I know that there isn't any such thing as a completely unbiased news provision, but it's good enough for me. And the balanced view I get is I'm an absolute ardent fan of The Economist, because let me just give you the example when the very contentious and heated debate on Brexit happened. Of course, this magazine made clear where they stood but they allowed everyone to, 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 to voice their side of the, the view. And that is what I feel what every adult can expect that, or can demand from a media outlet. Provide them with data points and let them form their own opinion. Interesting. Are you a Twitter follower? I have been very active on Twitter a couple of years ago. But I know Twitter is here to stay, but I find it increasingly hard to pick out a good gold nuggets among a lot of chatter. And that's why I feel that LinkedIn for me is almost like my online supplement to the news. And I hope that this channel will not be Twitterized or Facebookerized, the kind of what do I have for breakfast and stuff. I do think it's a social and therefore also private medium, but I value the professional approach generally that this medium offers. But you talked about you kind of your daily news feeds, BBC and Economist, but if you were just thinking more broadly about the trust the media brands that you would most miss whether it be a long form short form or whatever that might be what are the ones that that yeah you trust most and would miss most thank you for that and that is actually on this channel blatant plug for the world media group and that's why i am very pleased to be involved with the world media group I can wholeheartedly say that every single member that is listed on the list of the World Media Group participants, that's why I don't want to single out anyone, has stood the test of time in terms of their approach to journalism, their approach to research. And I would say nowadays that is so much important that there is a collective force that for the good, for quality journalism. And we as recipients of that need to a willingly pay for it and be supported by making sure that we we, we cite those quality sources whenever uh, there is a possibility to do an opportunity to do because it is important in my view that we maintain the integrity of those outlets so when you are trying to switch off from marketing banking work what yes what do you turn to and that could could be media but anything hope just how do you switch your brain off well, yeah you're absolutely right and that, actually that's a very valid question belinda because we in any kind of sort of business talks we very often focus just on the, the upper part of our body our brains and our intellectual capabilities and that's why you would tend to say oh, when i'm switching off i'm reading a novel and all the rest of it and it's good for those who would do, But I think in my capacity also as somebody who's very interested in well-being and very passionate about well-being, I feel that we shouldn't 
dismiss the fact that we are all part of nature and the the connectivity with nature via things like the food that we eat. I love cooking for my family and I love preparing food, not the kind of in the microwave, wait for the bing and take it out. It's like prepare fresh stuff if you can. Take the time. It's the biggest thing you can gift to members of your family. I'm going for a walk with my little dog. You know, that these are the mundane things that I do. And I'm a, an ardent gardener of the little London garden patch that you, as a Londoner, you know, you're accustomed to. So when I'm talking about gardening and my friends who are not living in London say, oh, that must be very hard. I say, no, in two hours, I can manicure my garden that it looks like you know, <laughs> spick and spang, no leaf somewhere, because that's the size. Is that why you get your mo- most creative thoughts from? I don't know. I, I, and it's a weird question, but I know for a fact that for me, sitting at a computer, I am at my least creative. Sometimes it could be the shower, it, sometimes it's sitting in the car when are you most likely to get inspired it's 100 what you say when my brain is idle and mowing the lawn doesn't require a lot of brain attention <laughs> the only sensory experience is the wonderful smell of freshly cut grass and this is usually when i get my inspirations of course also in the morning under the shower or sometimes when i'm riding my scooter to work, but it's increasingly less so because the traffic has been significantly changed since the lockdown has gone. Yeah, that that's exactly the source of my uh, of my creativity. As with so many other people, to hear that so many people when you talk about gardening or when you talk about things like preparing food, gosh, you can have hours of conversation with people mm-hmm. who have the same interests. Christoph, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us today. Our last My Media Life was with Alice Solomon, who was voted the Rising Star at the World Media Awards. Now, she joined the industry in 2018, so at a slightly different end of her career, or part of her career, I should say. But what I found really interesting from this conversation compared to talking to Ella, was actually how similar they were in terms of inspiration and creativity and the caring about. It clearly is something that that the, the achievers in our industry have a unique element that nothing to do with age or years of experience so I'm just thrilled to have spent this time chatting to you today Christoph and look forward to seeing you again soon thank you so much thank you so much Belinda for having me this morning and look forward to seeing you soon in person thank you thank you